Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. And uh, today we're going to have a great time together. If you're brand new to our church, uh, this is actually a great Sunday to be here. We're starting a brand new series and uh, I couldn't shake this feeling, and I'll kind of, before I give you the name officially for it, even though it's behind me, <laughs> let me tell you what we're going to call it. <laughs> you know, it says in, in Exodus, it talks about in chapter 10, and I, I hear this a lot, you're on social media, you hear about how dark things are and how things are going the wrong direction and how there's so much animosity in America, in the world right now, and confusion, and it, Seems like things are getting worse and worse, and I'm not here to argue one way or the other, but I will just say this, as I was praying for you, which is Rochelle and I's custom every week, we pray for our church, and we we say, God, we want to bring the burdens of Orange County, the burdens of Ocean's Church before you, and as we bring their difficulties to you, would you speak to your people? God will give us solutions in his presence for your problems, and as I was praying for you this week, the Lord said, Mark, tell my people that, that my my light glows in the dark. And he gave me this story in Exodus chapter 10 because some people are saying, if you look at some of the church people, they're saying, they're prophesying, it's going to get darker and darker. And some people say, no, I don't don't believe that. Other people say, it's going to get lighter and lighter. People believe that. I think maybe in some ways both are right. I believe this, that it says in Exodus chapter 10 that the darker it got in Egypt, the brighter it got in Goshen. And I really felt this burden, just to, I feel like God wanted me to bring this to you guys, that regardless of what's happening on the face of the earth, God's light can shine into your living room. God's light, are you hearing me, can shine into your marriage. I don't know if you know this, but I've, I've been under different presidents my whole life, Republican and Democrat, and none of them have been responsible for buying me a car or a house. None of them have been responsible for my peace and my joy on a daily basis. None of them affected who I dated and who I married, and none of them affected how I raised my kids. Can I get an amen? Will we pray? Will we vote? The church said a good. But I want you to know that all power belongs to God. And so today, I just felt as I was praying, the Lord just, I I, I literally had a conversation with God. And remember those first commercials for, I think it was Samsung phones, but they advertised the first phone that was waterproof. And it was revolutionary because I baptized six or seven phones in the bathtub. Who's the, come on, anybody baptize a phone? You had to put it in rice for like two weeks. Pray for resurrection power. I remember when phones became waterproof, it was groundbreaking. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, Mark, tell my people two things about the storms of life. Number one, there is no storm on the earth that is greater than God's waterproof abilities. Faith in God is waterproof. And not only that, but in a dark world, guess what? God's light is glows in the dark. And I want to talk to you. If I was a youth pastor, I would have called this series Glow in the Dark. But I'm a senior pastor now, so I'm more dignified. We'll just call it Glow. Is that all right? We'll call it Glow. I want to talk to you for the next couple weeks about this idea that God's desire, regardless of what's happening in the world... And by the way, we're not retreating. This is not a message to retreat from society. We will invade. But we don't invade with fear and the darkness that's in the world. We invade the dark places glowing with God's light. 
Amen? So today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read a familiar passage to some of you. It's about when Jesus went up onto a mountaintop. He had three of his buddies there. And uh, Peter, James, and John, one scholar said that they were always present when Jesus was getting ready to give a revelation of victory over death. Peter, James, and John were there, there with Jairus' daughter. When Jesus brought that, that little girl back from the dead, Peter, James, and John were the only ones in the room. In Gethsemane, it says that Peter, James, and John were with Jesus praying, and God was getting ready to show them that he was victorious over death. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, it goes on to talk about Jesus forecasting his, his death on the cross. He wanted to reveal to them that he is the God that has power over death. So that was a little extra credit. That wasn't the last message. If you have your Bible today, Luke chapter 9. Uh, again, I'm going to start reading in verse 28. If you're new to our church, I am going to read eight verses till 36, verse 36. I'm going to pray. I'll make a couple observations. After I pray, I'll, couple, I'll tell a couple stories. If you laugh, we, we call them jokes. And after I, I tell some stories, I tie it back into, I believe, uh, really four ideas that God wants us to leave with. After we get those ideas captured, we create an environment for God to actually put his stamp on the service by closing out in an environment of faith and worship that some of you will be healed of cancer. Someone in here has an issue in your throat, you have throat cancer. Uh, and I believe that today God is going to heal you whether you're online or in the tents. There will be miracles that happen at the end, not because I'm a psychic, but because I know my shepherd's voice. My sheep know my voice. Last night he said, Mark, tell someone I'm going to heal them of their throat cancer. There's actually a scientist that will be watching either online or in the tents, he said also, that you study elements, and you're familiar with the 13th element, which is phosphorus, and God is going to speak to you today through this message on glowing because it's in your specified field. So... Luke chapter, are you ready? Luke chapter 9. Um, Luke chapter 9, it says this in verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these things that he took Peter, John, and James, went up onto the mountain. Where did he go? Where did he go? Jesus goes up to a mountain and it gives us his motive today. To what? To pray. To pray. To worship. To spend time with God. You might not know this, but this is actually the time in the Bible that Jesus went to worship God. And so he went up onto the mountain, and it says in verse 29, not after, not before, but as he prayed, the appearance of his face. What part of his body? It's what God specializes in. He, he specializes in altering our faces. The appearance of his face was altered. His robe became white and glistening. Behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory and spoke to him. Check this out. This is not figurative. It's not an, an analogy, a metaphor, an allegory. This is a, this is a factual story. Yeah. If you don't know the story, Elijah got, he got picked up in a chariot of fire, yeah. never died. And Moses, it says in the Bible, it says that numbers, that God himself buried Moses on the mountain by himself. These guys have both been dead for hundreds of years, and for some reason, they show up and have a cameo on a mountaintop with Jesus. Moses, they say, is the greatest teacher of the law in the entire Old Testament. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. And then also, not only Moses, but Elijah, who they say was the greatest prophet in the Old Testament. 
they both show up there, and let's keep reading together, and they talked to Jesus. This word kind of screws up our, uh, our understanding of this verse. They spoke to Jesus about his decease. Bad translation. It's actually, some, some of your Bibles say departure. The actual Greek word is the word exodus. And before I go any further, you got to understand this. You understand the context of the Mount of Transfiguration. The exodus is, is representative of a bondage, slavery, Egypt, and going to a promised land of liberation, of freedom. It's going from being stuck in the world to living in your purpose. Are you with me? So when he, they're talking about the exodus, which I, I got to think would have to be a pretty funny story, that Moses is talking to Jesus about exodus. Look, it's going to be 40 years. The people are going to be brain dead. You're going to be pulling your hair out of your scalp. And Jesus is like, no, my exodus is different than your exodus. But my point is, is that Jesus had a Egypt to a promised land that he had to go to. And God prepared him on the Mount of Transfiguration. Are you ready? Let's keep reading today. And it says this. So they talked about his departure, what he would accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter, those who were with him were heavy with sleep, like some of you in church. And they were fully awake. The youngsters call it woke. They saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, uh, uh, Master, it's, 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 it's good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for the greatest teacher of all time, Moses, and one for the greatest prophet of all time, Elijah, not knowing, according to Dr. Luke, who wrote the story, what the heck he was saying. You ever been so nervous you just don't know what you're talking about? This is Peter in this moment. Let's just build something. And it says... It says, while he was saying these words, a cloud came. Scholars say it's the same cloud that led Israel for 40 years. Overshadowed them. They were fearful as they entered the cloud. And, the, and, and from the cloud came a voice saying, this is my beloved son. Who's standing with him? Elijah and Moses. Greatest prophet, greatest teacher. Watch what God the Father says. This is my beloved son, not Elijah, not Moses, this, Jesus, my beloved son. Watch what he says next. Hear all of them. God the Father puts Jesus in a category beyond Moses, beyond Elijah, greater than any teacher in the law and greater than any prophet in the Old Testament. He is in his own category. Listen to him. And it says that when this happened, uh, the voice ceased. Jesus was found alone. They kept quiet, told no one in those days any of the things that they had seen. I want to pray today. I want to talk to you today about glowing Christians. Glowing Christians. You ready to go? Father, I pray that you would speak to us the next several moments. We invite you into these tents. We ask that, Lord, today, more than a good message or a good uh, musical set, that, Lord, there would be an environment today that we could touch heaven and that heaven could touch us. We invite the spirit of the living God that still heals, that still speaks, still convicts, still challenges, and still encourages. Would you come in this place? Would you speak with truth, with clarity? Would you carry on the love of God in this place, whether we're online or in the tents, in Jesus' name? And someone said a good old-fashioned, amen. Amen. amen, amen, amen. Have you noticed that uh, 
kids nowadays are asking for different things for Christmas than what we grew up asking for. I, uh, I, I was born in the 80s. Uh, I'm an 80s baby. I grew up in a different era. Where's my 80s babies at? Come on, 80s babies. My daughter loves 80s music. I'm like, no one in the 80s likes 80s music. <laughs> Kidding. She loves. And uh, my, my daughters usually, they start working on their Christmas list around the 20 or 21st of January. And uh, I noticed that their lists are different than our list. And they, they're growing up in a different dispensation of time. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit taken back. I, I saw on my daughter's Christmas list, I want LED lights for my room. The only LED lights I'm familiar with is the screen behind me. It costs like 30 grand. I'm like, Santa's not showing up this year. That's what's on your list. But it was, to my surprise, it was actually cheaper than I thought. We got them. We installed them in a room. And at the click of a button, she has a remote that controls the color of the lights. And I'm like, man, we didn't have any of this when I was growing up. We didn't even have remote controls for the TV. I was the remote. Mom smacked me in the head. She said, 13. <laughs> different day. It was a different era of time. I didn't grow up like these kids nowadays. Kids nowadays have cell phones when they're like seven years old. I'm like, Kenzie, Chloe, you can date when you're 29, and I'll buy you a phone a year before that. So nowadays, kids have cell phones. They have tablets. They have Wi-Fi. They have social media. We had pagers. When I was in high school, come on, somebody, where you at, pager people? Who remembers pagers? We didn't even have texting. You couldn't SMS. You couldn't T9. But you could send a message with some sort of elf code with numbers. If you know what I'm talking about, you know. It was a different era of time. We didn't have, we didn't have LED lights. We had black lights and lava lamps. We had cosmic bowling. Come on, somebody. We had roller skating rings that people went to. What's a roller skating? We'll tell you later, honey. We lived in a different window of time. And literally, if you wanted to be bad to the bone, you didn't put LED lights on your ceiling. You put glow-in-the-dark stars. It was like being in space. Couldn't see him during the day, but at night was one of the coolest things to have when you were a kid. Glow-in-dark technology was so cool. I remember just thinking, man, mom, all I want for Christmas is some glow-in-the-dark stars. And I was praying. It was kind of a goofy thought, but I, 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 I started studying about stars and glow-in-the-dark items. And it was 1669 that there's a scientist in Germany that actually invented, he discovered phosphorus. Phosphorus was this, uh, 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 this, this ability to actually capture light doesn't have the power to produce light, only capture it. And I started studying the different types of phosphorus and how it, how it, how it happens and, and uh, where it originates and, and even some of the characteristics of it. It's amazing that the type of energy they require to be energized, there's, there's that. There's not only that, the color and the light that they produce is, is phosphorus. And the length of the glow is known as the persistence, the persistence of the phosphorus. And I was thinking, and God began to speak to me as I was studying some of the scientific terminology, and I took extra strength Tylenol for my headaches. But I was studying last night, and I just, I couldn't shake this idea that there's something about glowing that's true of Christianity. Yeah. That we do not shine ourselves. 
We do not produce our own light. We, we in and of ourselves will be unnoticeable on the ceiling. It's not until you're around a light that's genuine. But when you are around his light, it has the ability to capture you and charge you on the inside. The word for, for transform, and it says in, in Luke 9 and Mark 9 and Matthew 17 on the transfiguration on the mount, is only used three times in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 3.18 that I talked about last week talked about being unveiled faces, being transformed into the image of God. Yeah. Talks about Romans 12 to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it says that Jesus transformed before all the people. Listen to me. The word transform is where we get the word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, it's metamorpho in the Greek. It literally means this. It means something on the inside happens that changes your exterior appearance. This is Christianity. Christianity is not an outside job. It's an inside job. Religion is rules and regulations that tries to convert people from the outside of their behavior to the inside of their belief. Jesus is not an outside job person. He is an inside job. He'll come into the inside of you and shine so bright that it starts to actually open up the light in the windows of your soul. Rooms that have never been lit up begin to be lit up when you open up windows to God. And I was studying, I was praying this week, and I really do believe that, that like those glow-in-the-dark stars, we by ourselves cannot shine without God's light. We cannot shine without God's presence. We don't produce light, we capture it and we reflect it. That's a good spot for an amen right there. You don't produce light, you capture it, and you actually reflect it. Some of you are, are so hungry for more, and some of you don't even realize you've settled for a status quo Christianity, and I really do believe that those that glow are the ones that are hungry to meet the pilot. Those that glow are the ones that say, I want to do more than just sit on the plane and leave the same way that I came. It says that he was transformed on the mountain. This transfiguration moment was preparation for his exodus. I couldn't, I, I just, I, I felt, again, I felt this so strong this week when I was praying for you. Some of you don't know how to get out of Egypt. You don't know how to get rid of your anger, your, your lust, your perversion, your addictions to dark things that you're not proud of. Some of you don't know how to stop yelling. Some of you don't know how to stop swearing. Some of you can't break your alcohol addiction, your pill addiction. Some of you are so materialistic, you have no idea how to be happy without stuff. And I'm not throwing rocks at anybody, but I'm saying this. There's people, because the Bible says we're born with a sin nature that's called Egypt. And God has a promised land for all of us called salvation. And another, another Christian word called sanctification. We talk a lot in Orange County about being saved, but we don't talk a lot in Orange County about being sanctified. Sanctified is the process of becoming like the God that we worship. You will become like what you behold. And many of us stay the same because the only thing we behold is, is ourselves. Second Timothy says in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. I would say most problems in America today are not political problems. They're not, they're not greed problems. They're not lust problems. They're not selfish. Uh, they're not, excuse me, they're not uh, carnal problems. Most of our depravity is rooted in living self-centered. You know what the first law of the satanic Bible is written by Anton LaVey? 
Do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Make yourself happy. That is the first door to darkness is disregarding everybody except yourself. I am the center of my own existence, and even if it hurts everybody else, I'm going to make me happy. Are you hearing me today? And I do believe that God comes on the scene and says, look, you will never glow by yourself. You can't produce light. You can only reflect it, and you can only capture it. And I love this, this powerful story because Jesus, he gets his friends. They go up onto the mountain. And I want to just, I want to share four things I believe that the world is hungry for in Christians. Because I'll tell you right now that if the church loses its light and its salt, the world is, is hopeless. I want to remind you that we are the hope of the world. And when Christians stop shining, there's no other hope for light in the world. So today, I want to say that Jesus glowed in, in, in Luke 9, and I'll tell you why he glowed. He glowed, number one, if you want to be a glower, if you want to glow in your walk with God, I believe that glowing originates with, number one, planning time, planning time, planning a time with God. If Jesus, can I ask you a question? If you think that the Son of Man, who is fully God, fully man, never made any bad decisions, he was perfect. Can you imagine being Jesus' brother? Poor James. James, you got to be more like Jesus today, buddy. He cleaned his room, did his chores without being asked. Poor James tried to stay home from school sick. Jesus walked by and said, be healed. Guy couldn't even stay home sick. It's tough growing up with a perfect brother. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. It was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is perfect. And if Jesus is perfect... And I want to just theologically give you a little seminary lesson here today. Is Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness, and he came to give us an example. That's why he came. He came to fulfill all righteousness, and he came and he lived to give us a blueprint of how to model our lives. So he went up on the mountain to fulfill some, some promises uh, that like, like Moses met on the mountain on Sinai and like Elijah on Mount Horeb, that he was going to meet with God on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they had dramatic, Elijah heard God's voice. It was a still, small voice. God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the fire. He was in the whisper. Moses went up on Mount Sinai, got Ten Commandments two times. And these guys had dramatic encounters with the Father on a mountain. And I want to suggest to you that if Jesus comes on the scene who is perfect, and he goes, I'm going to plan this week, I'm going to invite three of my friends we're going to walk a day's journey. We're going to hike a hill. We're going to reserve a time. I guarantee it wasn't like wake up and go, hey, hey, guys, what do you want to do today? Let's walk up that mountain and meet with God. It was a predetermined decision. People always wonder, they say, Mark, how are you doing? I think, I think more important sometimes than what we're doing is what we're becoming. And nothing determines what we're becoming more than one word, write it down, schedule. Your schedule today this week is determining what you're becoming. Well, I want to be a better dad. Is it in your schedule? I want to be a better husband. Is it in your schedule? I want to be man better with my money. Is it in your schedule? It, listen, it's all wishful thinking until it's in your schedule. I'm telling you that if you'll prepare a time, God will do his side. Listen, our job is not to transform ourselves. Our job is to get in that environment. Say with me, time. 
Do you know that how you spend your time, you can spend it any way you want, but you only get to spend it once. Many people never, they, they never actually get it into their schedule that I want to become more like God, but he's not anywhere in my schedule. Well, Mark, I give an hour and 20 minutes a Sunday. Imagine if you said that to your wife, I'm going to love you for the rest of my life more than anybody, but I'll give you one hour and 20 minutes a week. She'd be like, peace. I promise you that if you want to actually reflect God, he has to be in your schedule. I'm not talking about 10 hours a day. I'm talking about turning your 28-minute your commute. Come on, Orange County. You drive to Irvine. You turn that car, you turn that Tesla into a sanctuary with God. You turn it into a meeting place with God. Say with me, a time. Exodus was, uh, Jesus' Exodus training was a, mount, a mountaintop transfiguration experience. The only thing that got him ready for the cross was a mountain. And I believe there is burdens, and that's what scholars talk much about. Scholars talk about the balance between suffering and glory. Glory and suffering. That America is good at focusing on glory, but we don't know how to deal with suffering. How do you overcome suffering? You do it by making a place on a mountain with God. I'm telling you that encouragement comes from the presence of God. Peace comes from the presence of God. What does it say in John 16? He says, in this world, you'll have tribulations. The word tribulations in the Greek is the word stress. It's the word uh, pressure. Anyone ever feel any pressure? You live in Orange County. It's expensive. Trying to afford a house. I've been smuggling plastic straws into the state. Side hustle. Come on. It's expensive here. I'm busy. I'm stressed. I'm overloaded. What do you do in that scenario? The Bible says that in me, he says, if you stay in me, you'll have my peace. And he said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. How do you glow in a world that's dark, in a job that's dark, with coworkers that are dark, in a, in a government system that's dark? How, how do you glow in a dark setting? I'll tell you right now, it's by prioritizing a time. You will become what your schedule is dictating. I want to become more like God this year. Well, what's your schedule saying? Because the problem with most American Christians is we have a lot of commitment, but we have zero preparation. I shared the illustration before, but if I said, hey, Lakers, put me on the team. I'm committed. LeBron, listen, put me in the game. I will be more committed to play good than anybody you've ever seen. Just pass me the ball. I'm committed to make some shots. The problem with commitment without preparation is you can't fulfill your promises. You know why most marriages fail? Because they're committed but not prepared. I promise that I'll love you and I'll be faithful to you and I'll, I'll never cheat on you even though I cheated on every one of my girlfriends. Well, it's going to get quiet in the Presbyterian church just for a second. You really think that you can live wild your whole life? That is the farce of Hollywood is they show us date, hook up, break up, date, hook up, swipe right, break up, date, hook up, swipe right, break up. And then you meet the one and you're like, I'll never do that again. The problem is you've been practicing for separation your whole life. And you got a big commitment, but you have a small level of preparation. You won't, wait, you won't wait six months to date that girl? You won't pray and fast for three days to see if she's the one? 
Ladies, if it's easy to get into the relationship, it's easy for him to get out of it. We have commitment, but we don't have preparation. I'm, I'm sorry, I got to stop preaching. I'm telling you, you plan a time, your schedule reveals your priorities. Some of you working 90 hours a week, you're still watching The Bachelorette. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just saying that's your priority. So if you're too busy for God, but you got time for The Bachelorette, hello? It's not that you don't have time. It's that you don't want to make it a priority. I know what you want. You want to be more like him. You want to have more of his light glowing off of you. You want to radiate his light in your marriage, with your children, with your business partners, with your employees. I know what you want. You want to live a holy life. You want to overcome the darkness that slayed your parents' life. You want to kill the giants that actually took out your grandparents. I know what you want. I'm telling you how to get it. Jesus said, we're going to go to that mountain. We're going to go this week. We're planning a time. We will be transformed if we put it in our schedule. Second thing is he didn't just plan a time. He chose a path. He chose a path. And I wouldn't just say he chose a path. He chose a place. I'm telling you that it's great to have, okay, I'm going to meet with God this week on Tuesday uh, at 9 a.m. Where? And I'm telling you whether it's the coffee table, it's the rocking chair in the backyard, it's, it's sitting in your inflatable chair. Come on, 80s. 80s kids. That pink inflatable chair in your room. Gives you back problems the rest of your life. You choose a path and a place. You know what I believe? I believe that we are byproducts of our atmospheres. God made us to reflect whatever we worship. We are. We were made this way. Do you know that you will reflect whatever you worship? Some of you worship off-roading. And when you get around, when someone gets around you, all you want to talk about is lift kits and tire sizes and Jeeps and, and the trail that goes up to Canada. It just comes out of your pores because all you do is you, wor you worship the four-wheel drive magazine. You read every article. You read about the rims, the tires. You read about the lift kits. Some of you, you worship stereo magazines. Some of you don't worship that. You worship uh, fashion trends. It just comes out of you, man. This fall, man, oh, denim's back in. Canadian tuxedos. Coming back, tie-dye, right? Whatever it is. I'm not throwing rocks. I think fashion's great. I think sports and hobbies are great. But I'm telling you, you radiate what you worship. Why is the whole break room talking about the same TV show? Did you see the last episode of Game of Thrones or Thrones? That's true. I'm telling you that you, you radiate what you worship. I believe that we are, we are byproducts of our environments. I like going to this church because every time I come here, the team, when they sing, it's not like they're singing about God. It's almost like they're singing with him. And the answer is they are. Because they reflect what they've been worshiping. I like you. I don't know why, but when I go to this church, I hear good messages. I feel like the messages are always like, like speak to me. And my hope is that they do. Otherwise, I'm going to quit tomorrow kidding seriously though um is my hope would be is that we that i'm reflecting what god wants me to shine we are byproducts of our atmospheres and i really do believe there's two things that we do that jesus did you know why jesus glowed he glowed because he planted time he glowed because he chose a path and a place we're going james peter john listen to me this week this time 
we're taking that path, and we're going to end up at that place. So many times we have good intentions, but we have weak follow-through because we never choose a path that leads us to the place. I'll choose a path. That means I have to wake up before my kids do. So be it. That means I have to stay awake after my family goes to sleep. So be it. You choose the environments and the atmospheres that you put yourself in. Are you with me? And it's amazing that we put ourselves in environments and atmospheres that do everything except honor God. Entertained, 100%, I got time for that. Man, yell at a sporting event, I got time for that. Man, look at the stock market, 100%, I got time for that. But as far as looking at, come on, spending time with the one, you become what you behold. I'm choosing a path, I'm choosing a place. Everyone, you with me today? Amen. How about this? I believe that Jesus glowed number three because he prepared his heart. I think, if I'm being really honest, as a pastor, I mean, I get, this is my living. I, I, I live to do what I do. And I'll be very honest with you. I, every week, have to fight against a familiar spirit that tries to check a religious box and say, okay, I got to study this week. I got to cloud over my head to sermonize for the message. Some of you think I just get up here and wing it. I do, but after about 25 hours of studying and praying, then I wing it. So, it's true. Um, so, my point is, is that, that we, we, we have to fight against the familiarity that robs God of his power in our life. We have to fight against it. Well, I read the book of Mark before. Well, read it with a fresh lens. Well, I already highlighted my Bible, then buy a new Bible. I intentionally buy a new Bible about every 12 to 18 months because I don't want to get familiar with my notes. I don't want to live off yesterday's revelations. Are you hearing me today? When your love life with your spouse gets a little bit, what do you do? We're going to go to a hotel. We're going to spice this thing up. Come on, somebody. I'm going to do something out of the normal to shake myself from not honoring the way that I should be honoring. This is what we do with Jesus. Are you hearing me today? We prepare our hearts. Can I ask you a question? If you knew this week, on, on Friday night, that you could have dinner with any celebrity, any sports icon, any politician, which I don't know if you know what politician means. It comes from two words. Poly in the Greek, it means many. Polytheistic means many gods. Poly means uh, many, and then in the English, uh, ticks are bloodsuckers. Many bloods. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. That was a joke. It was just a joke. Just a joke. You can meet with your favorite politician. You meet with your favorite politician. You meet with your favorite athlete. Listen, if you were going to meet with your hero on the earth Friday night, how many would be thinking about it every day? It's three honest people in Ocean's Church. If you're watching online, there's three honest people here. If you knew this Friday you were going to meet with that, that celebrity, that person you look up to, you know what you would do? You would come with pre, pre-rehearsed questions. Hey, when he gave you the final rose, what were you thinking? You would have these questions lined out. Are you with me? You would be thinking about what they were going to say and what you would respond with. You know, what I, I think the problem with most of us, while we don't ever capture his light and glow it's because we become so cavalier that we don't come into his presence prepared I've learned that if I'll worship I come to worship prepared to worship 
I've learned that if I pray before I come, I'll be ready to pray when I arrive. And many people, you know what they do is they, they almost treat God's house like a hotel and not a home. A, a hotel is when you expect everybody else to clean the rooms, everybody else to serve you hand and foot. But a home is different. When you see the dishes need to be done, you go, I'm not waiting for somebody else. I'm jumping in. And I believe we treat God's presence so cavalier sometimes that we're like, I'll just, he'll be there later. I'll catch him tomorrow. It's almost like the, when you miss the trash day, you're like, ah, I'll get him next week. We can't do that with our times with God. If we want him to be the most important part of our lives, we have to give him the greatest preparation in our hearts. Hey, God, I'm a little funky today, but I'm not going to defend my funkiness. I'm going to surrender it to you. You know what yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit is? It's actually taking God's side against yourself. God, I have an attitude. I was mean to my spouse. I was rude to my kids. I, I yelled at the barista today. God, forgive me. I was wrong. I've learned if you're married here today, there's some words that will change your marriage. Change your marriage. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And I'm telling you, with God, it's the same way. Saying, God, something's wrong. I'm sorry. Would you please wash me? Would you cleanse me? Would you prepare my heart for how you want to speak to me today? I have learned that if I'll leave my carnal nature on the altar in his presence, when my carnal nature dies, that's when the anointing flows. I do it every week. Do you know this? Every week in this church, I think about, man, I have friends and I have, I have, I have heroes. I mean, there's like the Canes that were at our church. Christine Kane's one of the greatest preachers in the world. Dominic Russo, Pastor Jay Smith. We have, we, have, we have people in this church every week, people watching online, that are some of the greatest voices in the world in the church. It would be like playing for a sports franchise and knowing that Michael Jordan is in the audience. And I have nights that I'll, I remember one night we had, when we were going to give the check to Christine and Nick, I remember this, this pride in me goes, you better do extra good tomorrow. You have an important audience. And I came against that carnal thought and I said, Lord, I surrender that fleshly idea that it's about showing somebody something, an arrogant pride of being better or being good. I'm not here to be proud. I'm here to be surrendered. And I kill that spirit of pride and that just egotistical, that well, what are they going to say about me? Who cares what they say about me? I'm a, I'm a vessel. And I'm telling you that every week I do it. Saturday nights, I lay on my floor in my room. And I'm not sharing this to brag. I'm just, uh, if I could show you how I get water. I lay on the floor until I feel like my flesh dies. My ego, I just surrender my ego. God, if I offend people, I just want to be obedient to you. I don't care. I don't care if people like it. They don't, I, I, I want to serve the people, but I want to serve you more than them. And I'll just lay there until I feel like that flesh dies. And when it does, I feel his anointing come into my mind. His thoughts begin to start flowing, and I feel like I start glowing with ideas. If you'll make it, listen, if you want to glow, you plan a time. You choose a path and a place. Are you hearing me today? And finally, you not only do that, you prepare your heart by surrendering your agenda surrender my agenda and fourthly I believe as we do this we bring people higher you know what glowing people do 
they think about others and they go, man, I got to step up because there's people that are counting on me to glow. Do you know why I think most of you don't go higher in your walk with God? Because no one's counting on you growing. My pastor used to call this putting a demand on the anointing. They put me in charge of teaching Sunday school kids that were 12 years old. Truth is, I didn't know the Bible at all. They probably knew it better than I did. But because I was in charge of that little Sunday school class with a sixth grade kid named Joel Faust and a, and a seventh grade kid named Dan Dunson and about, about 12 of their buddies, it, it, I would clean the church. Mitch, I was the janitor too for five years. And at about 11.30 at night, I would go into my girlfriend's office by the name of Rochelle Wilde. She wasn't there. It's okay. Sounds like a little sketchy story. <laughs> Dirty minds in here. I'm just praying for you. I would go into her office, and I would just seek God. I would go over the lesson, and I would say, God, I'm not going to just teach some, like, pre-recorded message. I'll take the outline, Lord, but I want you to give me fresh revelation. And I would pray for Joel Faust. I pray for Dan Dunson. I pray for Josiah Ness. I pray for Kenrick Barkell. I know all their names because I still know them. They're all serving God still. And I would pray for these kids, and I would say, God, I want to take these kids higher take me higher. It's putting a demand on the anointing. The reason why some of you stop growing spiritually is because no one's counting on you to grow. Can I ask you, if you stop going to church tomorrow, would anybody be affected by it? You stop reading your Bible tomorrow, would anybody change? I'll tell you, I, I, my hope would be is that if I gave up on God, there'd be like at least 1,500 people that are a little bit irritated at Orange County at Ocean's Church. No? Come on now. I'm, I'm going to quit tomorrow if you don't come on speak up. Mark, you got to keep growing because this church has to keep on feeding people with good spiritual food. You got to keep growing. Glowing Christians have a desire to bring other people higher. Some of you love this church because you've never been in a church that challenges you to come higher. Most pastors are preaching these eloquent grace messages that empower people to stay living in their diapers that are full of garbage. He still loves you. Just keep sleeping in your urine. Just keep wetting the bed until you're 45 years old spiritually. I'm telling you that, yeah, it's normal for you when you're a baby Christian to do stupid things. Yeah, it is. But the goal of Christianity is to become like Christ. Christianity without Jesus is just Ian. Christian without Christ is just Ian. And we got a lot of Ians in the church world today that don't look like Christ. They look like Ian. Christianity is about becoming like the one that we worship, like the one that we behold. What is worship, Mark? I want you to write this down. And when you get alone with them, when you plan a time and you choose a place and you prepare your heart, I want you to remember a couple of things. Worship is the place where God's face shines on us. Worship is an invitation to see God's face so he can change our face. Faces are the most distinguishable part of our bodies. You ever notice this? That we don't put, we don't put toes and in, in hands on, on passports. You don't walk through TSA and they're like, hey, show me your index finger. They put your face on the passport. You know why faces are significant? 
They're the most public part of our bodies. They're the part of our bodies that are covered the less, the least. Face is the most recognizable part of us. I love this, that God chooses to radiate on our faces because it's the most desirable advertising spot in our anatomy. God's countenance shines on your face. Hey, Peter, you look happier than usual. Yeah, I was on the mountain with Jesus today. He was shining, man. I heard a voice in a cloud. This is my beloved son whom I will please hear him. Like John wrote, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. What glory was he talking about? Luke chapter 9. He beheld the glory. And when you get into the glory and the presence of God, you, you, you plan a time and you choose a place and a path and you actually prepare your heart. Listen to me, you begin to worship God. Some say, Mark, what is worship? And I will just give you a quick definition before we wrap this up. Worship is an invitation to see God's face so that he can change your face. Psalms 34.3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You know what worship means? It comes from two words, worth, worship, comes from worthy ship. Worship is the idea that you tell somebody how valuable they are. That's what it is. You want to honor your wife, you say, Rochelle, there is no one like you in all the earth. If I could choose any, any woman in, in anywhere, any continent in the world, I would choose you over and over and over and over and over again. You are the woman of my dreams. That is, that is honoring, that is esteeming your wife. So when you take your little girl, my, my little Kenzie and Chloe, and Chloe still loves us, she's five, and every night when I put her to sleep, almost every night, she goes, Daddy, tell me the story. And I said, all right, Chloe, if, if there was all the little girls in the world lined up on the sidewalks, and daddy could only choose one little girl. I would go by all of them. And I would go, not you, not you, not you, not, this is her favorite part. Tell him, daddy, tell him, not you, not you, not you. Keep, keep going. Keep, not you, not you, not you. Hey, you, in the back. You little brown hair, blue eyed girl, you come here right now. Chloe McCarthy Francie. Daddy wants you out of all the girls. Start smiling. <laughs> worship. Listen to me. For some, this is a new concept for some of you that you grew up in church, but you don't know what worship is. Worship isn't lifting your voice or a song. It's when you actually prepare your heart to declare God's worth. God, you are greater than money. You're greater than stuff. You're greater than trips. You're greater than sex. You're greater than drugs. You're greater than, than accolades. A lot of people make money, and they make, they, make, they make all these different things, but I'm telling you, the greatest thing that you can do is actually value and esteeming God's presence. Worship is the act of magnifying God. That's why he said, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Say with me, magnify. When we, when we honor God, we say, we love you, we honor you. You're out, you're, God isn't physically getting bigger, but he is getting bigger in your eyes. And I'll tell you, the closer you get to something, the bigger it gets. You drive towards Big Bear, mountains look tiny at a distance, you get up there, you're like, whoa. And then you wait in the line for 16 hours to go up the hill. 
because no one in the state knows how to drive in the snow. We'll keep going. Another message. We, we, we get closer to him, and he seems to get bigger. We get closer to God, and he seems to get bigger. Some of you have a really small God, really small Jesus, not because he's small, but because he's so far away from you. And if you'll get closer to God, he'll get bigger to you. Write that down. If I'll get closer to God, he'll get bigger to me. And I would tell some of you fathers in the tent, I felt this this morning. If you're a dad, more important than what you say to your kids is what you model to your kids. Some of you, your kids have been traumatized because of things they've, they've seen you do or caught you doing. I made it a point years ago. I said, God, if my kids catch me doing anything, I want them to catch me on my knees praying to you. I want my kids catching me with my hands lifted, with tears streaming in my face, declaring your value. We have people that our kids catch us stealing and lying and cheating and doing things that are devious. Where is the men of God that will get caught worshiping God? I want to summon you today that worship is the act of magnifying God enlarging our vision of God, stepping into the cockpit with the pilot and seeing where he sits and how he operates. That is worship. That is worship. As you draw near to him, he gets bigger. Worship offers a bigger view. Holy, 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 you're everlasting. When you start to transcend your mind on how big God is, your view of heaven gets bigger. The significance of earth changes. And I'm telling you, some of you don't live for eternity because you don't really believe in it. But when you begin to put the value of God in your prayer times, and you say, God, this thing is for real. We are going to live for eternity. And if people don't know you that I work with, they won't be with me in heaven. It changes the landscape of how you live. You turn into Oscar Schindler who at the end of his life is taking a, a watch off of his wrist going, I could have saved more people with this watch. I believe that when we get a revelation of eternity in heaven and God's worth, it will motivate us as lawyers, it'll motivate us as doctors and teachers and coaches and mailmen and police officers, not just to do a job, but to live for eternity. We'll talk about that next week. It says that Moses' face shined. Our countenance glows, it illuminates when our eyes are on Jesus. Stephen, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 7, everyone's staring at this guy, they're going, yo, your face is glowing. And it was glowing because of what, his, what he was looking at. You will become what you worship. You'll become it. You worship sports, sex, drugs, you will become that person. But if you want to become like the God that made you, you have to worship him. God is in the face-changing business. God will alter your face. You will glow. God can do more to your face than Botox and fillers. Come on, Orange County. He can do more than a facelift. He can change the face of your husband. He can change the face of your business. He can change the face of your career. He can change the face of a state, a nation. Are you hearing me today? He's the only one that can change the face. And I'll tell you, man, the greatest, maybe the greatest, the greatest evangelistic tool in the universe is a Christian that is full of passion to worship God. 
David said it best in Psalms 40, verse 3. He said, God put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to God. Many people will see it and worship God with me. You know what I think some of the greatest evidence of a, of a fake God is a church that doesn't know how to worship with passion. I've been to churches that they sing like God's still in the grave. They pray so lukewarm, they, they pray so half-hearted. No passion. They're talking to God like he's not there. And I'm just telling you, that we're going to be a church that glows because we're going to sing like he's listening. We're going to pray like he answers. And we're going to step out like he's going to go with us. Are you with me? Heartfelt worship is a missionary appeal. Passion in a voice, sincerity in our expression affects everyone that doesn't believe. We sing like he's listening. We pray like he's listening. And we act out like he's with us. Worship focuses our heart. You know what's amazing about Peter? And I'll, I'll close. I'm sorry. You guys have been great. I'm almost finished. Peter's amazing because he didn't know what to say, but he knew he had to say something. He didn't know what to do, but listen to me. When you have an encounter with God, you want to do something. Mark said he was fearful. Let, let's build a tabernacle or two or three. Just do something because he was scared. Luke says he said it because he was ignorant. But here's my, here's my credit to Peter. is Peter had an encounter with God's presence that motivated him to do something for God. And I'll tell you, some of you never had an encounter with God because you've never had a desire to build his kingdom. When you really encounter him, you know what you want to do? Like Oscar Schindler, you want to save other lives. This has changed my heart so much, I got to tell somebody else about it. I got a coworker that would love this church. I got a friend, man, that needs, that needs to be my Bible study. I'm going to start a small group, and I'm going to invite every one of my family members that's living crazy. Are you hearing me? If it's real, it's of all importance. If it's fake... It's of no importance. What it can't be is kind of important. Who wants to glow? I was praying for you this week, and I said, God, we live in a dark time. He said, it's okay. My people glow in the dark. Ocean's Church is going to glow in the dark. Who wants to glow? Anyone want to glow in the dark? Would you quietly stand your feet? God, that's our desire today, is that we'd be a people that glow. We don't want to be, Lord, like those that have no hope in the world. We don't want to be those that are addicted like, like everyone else is addicted and broken like everybody else is broken. We taste the same tragedy and pain, but I thank you that we don't respond the way that others do. We respond with light because we glow. I pray like phosphorus, Lord, that you would make us conduits of your light. I know that we can't manufacture it, but we can capture it. I can't manufacture your presence, but I can capture it. It's almost like a sailboat. We can't cause wind, but we can capture wind. Mature Christians know how to put their sail up. Some of you go, Mark, how do you know when God speaks to you prophetically? I don't create God's voice, but I know how to capture it when he speaks. It's like a sailor. I just go, okay, I think God's blowing over here right now. I think there is someone that's a scientist that's watching. And you've wrestled with the reality of, of truth and science, and you thought that they were anti antithetical to each other but I want you to know today feel something in here me and my cell phone science and Christianity are not at odds I want to get a good amen on this point to be scientific is not to disregard faith 
And mainstream society has tried to say, I believe in the science. I don't believe in that fairy tale faith. Listen to me. Steve Jobs, just go with the analogy. I know that he had a team. Steve Jobs invented the iPhone. He doesn't live inside of the iPhone. You with me? And if you said, Mark, no, I, I don't think that the iPhone had a creator. Listen to me, it did. Someone created this thing. And just because you're brilliant with technology and you can take the screen off of the phone, you can pull the phone apart, and you can explain to me how everything in this phone works, it does not discredit the creator of the phone. It explains how it works. Say with me, science. And I love that science is still catching up with this book. Still is. They make discoveries all the time. Oh my gosh, the galaxy's still expanding at the speed of light. It's because God said, let there be light, and he never stopped it. Science reveals the specs of the creator. And I feel like there's someone in this room that you have a scientific brain, and you've never wanted to yield your heart to God because you always thought that you'd be turning your back on science. And I hear the Holy Spirit summonsing you today, saying that I've given you the brain that I've given you, I've given you the mind that you have, that you think in terms of elements and you understand biology and chemistry, but it's, listen to me, that is not a, 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 a pass to disregard my presence. God will touch the scientific brain today. God will touch the musical, creative brain today. Someone in here, you think in shapes and colors. You're a designer. And God says, I gave you that gift, and I will speak to you, my son and my daughter. I pray today, Holy Spirit, as we, as we hoist ourselves, would you speak to us? Can we just do this? Can we respond to God today? How many would say, God, I want to give you my schedule. I want to give you a time in my schedule. Anybody in here want to glow and say, God, I'll give, you a, I'll give you a place. I'll give you a time. Would you lift your hands and you say, God, this week, Monday, I'm going to think right now of a time, a path, and a place that I can prepare my heart. How many say, God, God, I'll give you a time on Monday? I don't care if it's morning, noon, or night. I'm going to give you a time. Anybody about Tuesday, God, I'll give you a time. I'll give you a place. I'll give you a path, and I'll prepare my heart. And there's people that I'm going to influence. Peter, he's got to come higher this week. Take me higher so I can influence Peter. Take me higher so I can make a difference in James. Take me higher so I can help John. Lord, take me higher. God, I just pray right now. In this holy moment, God, it's amazing to me that every January people make goals to get in better spirit, better physical condition. Every year people make goals to prioritize time and energy. Very few actually realized at the beginning of the year that we have to make it a goal to become more like God by spending time with Him. I pray for people that have never had a spiritual appetite to know God deeply. I ask you that today that you would arise a holy, a holy hunger. I pray for an appetite for people that have been so full of the just stuff. It's not until they've been in this atmosphere. Maybe this is your first or second time at our church. And you're like, oh my gosh, I never knew that I, I love God so much. I never knew that I was actually hungry for more of Him. I've never been in a church that fostered an environment that made me want to grow in God. Would you say that with me? Grow in God. Anybody want to grow in God this year? I don't want to stay in the same spiritual condition this time next year. I want to grow in God. I want to glow. 
And if you're here today, I want to pray for two groups, three groups, and I'm going to be done. Five minutes, I promise, five minutes, tops. First group, you say, Mark, this message was for me. And I'm going to respond right now by saying, God, I will glow like Jesus by giving you time, giving you a place, a path, and preparing my heart. If that's you, say amen to that. Would just raise your hand? I pray for everyone that responds right now that this will be a week of changing our calendar to spend time with God. I pray as we do that you would send your sweet presence, that we would radiate your light, and like phosphorus, let us glow all day because of our meeting with you. In Jesus' name, if you receive that, say amen. Second group, you need a miracle in your body. God said there's someone with throat, throat cancer. You might not even know it's cancer, yet you just have pain in your throat. It hurts to swallow. It's beyond uh, strep throat. It's beyond uh, tonsillitis. You've had it off and on. It's, it seems to be getting worse. And I'm going to pray right now. God told me last night he's going to heal someone's throat. If you need a physical healing in your body, there's someone that just went through a divorce and God is going to heal your heart from PTSD. Someone that was actually abused in the marriage. Maybe someone that's even being abused right now. God is going to actually, he's going to help you. He's going to restore. And he's actually, some of you is going to give you a path out of an unhealthy environment. Today, God is going to heal people of PTSD. Listen to me. If you need a healing in your mind, in your heart, or maybe it's your, your knee, uh, someone's shin has shin splints, God's going to heal shin splints in this service. If you need a healing in your body, I just want you to lift your hands. We're almost done, I promise. Real quick, come on, 30 seconds. Raise your hands. I need a healing in my body. Would you raise it real high like you're going to get something from God? Put both hands towards heaven. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you said that we would pray for the sick and we would see them recover. I ask you that in three days' time, those in this room that have issues with their throat, their legs, their hearts, their minds, I pray that, Lord, there, there be a, 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 what do they call it, a progressive miracle that over the next 72 hours, they would wake up every day more healed, more healed, and completely healed. I ask you, Lord, that by this time next week, they'd almost have to remind themselves, I used to be struggling with that, and it's gone. I even pray that we document some of them in our My Stories about people that got healed January 31st online and in the tent. Pray this prayer all over the tent. Come on, say, Jesus, I receive your healing, your touch, your spirit. I am a cancer-free vessel. I am a pain-free vessel. I am a fear-free vessel. I am an anxiety-free vessel. I am a suicide-free vessel. Holy Spirit, fill me, heal me. Say it again. Fill me, heal me. In Jesus' name. Last thing, if you're here, you can feel His presence. I know we're going like 20 minutes longer than we normally do, but I would rather be in an atmosphere that God can change my life for 20 minutes. It's funny how movies can get longer and we love it. Church services get longer and we hate it. Come on. I don't want Hollywood telling, telling lies better than we tell the truth. Listen to me. You need today. I'm, I'm calling specifically, there's a lot of women here, but there's a lot more even men that God is summonsing you to say, I know you have a heart for God, or maybe you've been hesitant towards God. Today's the day to yield your life 
So you can set an example for your kids. They're following you, Dad. They caught you doing the wrong things. How about today's the day they catch you doing the right things? Feel the grace today. God is going to revive some men that are spiritually dead in Orange County. We have some powerful women in this church. I feel like women are naturally spiritually minded. Men, for some reason, we have to come alive. And I'm going to pray today that if you've never known Jesus or you've only known him at a distance, that God would get bigger today because you would come close. If you're here and you need to rededicate your life, men or women, but I feel like there's a lot of men today, or you've never believed in God and you say, you know what, Mark, I think today's the day, January 31st, that I start something new in my family and in my life. I want to invite God in. Say it with me, invite God in. I'm not asking you to become religious. I'm asking you to invite Jesus into your life to fill you with his Holy Spirit from the inside to the outside to change you. If that's you today, all over 18 first service, 252 in the last six weeks, more today. If you're here online, I'm going to ask you to write heart, H-E-A-R-T, H-E-A-R-T, or you can use a heart emoji online. There were seven of you last week that gave your lives to Jesus online. There's, there's plenty more this week. If you're in the tent, I'm out of time. Please forgive me for going long, but this is important. If you want to give your life back to God or for the first time, put your faith in Jesus. Would you close your eyes? No one's looking. And online, I want you to write heart on the count of three. If you're in the tent, I just want you to say, today's the day that I let God in or I let God back in. You start putting your hands up whenever you want. I'm going to give you three seconds. One, that's you. God's speaking to you right now. I see those hands. Thank you. Two, more hands are going up. I'm going to get right with God today. This is my day to invite God in. Raise it real high right now. Three, real high. Keep it up. Keep it up. One, keep it up. Two, three, four. Keep it up. Five, six, seven. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Eight. Keep it up. Nine. Anybody else? Nine hands. Nine hands. If you're online, just write heart right now. Nine hands. Oceans, would you pray to those ten hands? Ten hands. Would you pray to those ten people today? And probably more even online. It's 28 at least people today. I'm going to guess another five online. Write it right now. Heart. Would you give a hand clap to those watching? Respond right now. This moment. Don't miss it. Chandler. I believe there's a Chandler even right now that needs to respond. I don't know if you're in the tent or on, in this room. But I believe, is there a Chandler in the room? Is there a Chandler in here? Chandler? Chandler, just wave if there's a Chandler. Wave. Chandler. Maybe it's online. I thought it was online. Chandler, I just feel like there's a Chandler that's watching right now. I believe you're in the serving industry. And today's the day that God says, I want to serve you. I don't know where you work. I don't know if you're in L.A. today, Chandler. But I just feel the the love of God summonsing you, saying, look, you've tried life without me. What would it look like to try life with me? I don't do that. I'm not a psychic, but I know God's voice. God's summonsing his kids home today. At least 10. That's I, I bet at least 30 people today. Do me a favor, all over Ocean's Church, would you pray with those 10 people today? Would you just do me a favor, closed eyes, open hearts, say this prayer, say, Jesus, I believe that you're real. I believe that you're good. And I invite you into my heart. Your light, would it light me up? I want to glow with the Spirit of God. Would you heal me today? Would you set me free today? from destructive habits. I'm going to pause right there. Some of you, today as you pray this prayer, your appetite for heroin is leaving. God's setting someone free from a 
severe drug addiction. I pray right now deliverance. And all over, come on, let's finish this prayer together. Say, I believe I am a child of God. Fill me with your light. Evict any darkness. And go with me as I leave, the, as I leave today. I give you my heart in Jesus' name. You pray that prayer, I believe you're starting a relationship with God. I'd encourage you to get a Bible, get a church, and jump into a small group. Come on, would you have got a good hand clap and a shout? Hey! Grab your communion, we're done. We're done with communion today. Real quick, grab it, it should be on your chair, under your seat. There's a little space wafer. Open up the first little, little compartment here. Jesus took the bread. He said, this is my body that was broken for you. As you eat of the communion, let's remember the body that was broken for all of us. Let's eat this together today and remember what God did on the cross. He then took the glass. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. I want you to drink this and remember that my blood washes you of your sins. Today as we drink this, I want you to remind all of you that the blood of Jesus still has power today to wash us from our mistakes, to make us clean from our sin and our guilt. Let's drink today and thank God for his sacrifice. Come on, would you give that a hand clap if you're grateful for God? Grateful for what he's done. One hand clap and a shout. Grab a seat. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.